we focus on gratitude. Our lesson looks at some aspect of this spiritual practice, this spiritual discipline. Because that's what gratitude is. It's a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual discipline. It is a way that we train our souls for strength and for health and for well-being. It has been a rough couple years in our national life. I read a survey recently that said 60% of the people in our nation think that this is the lowest point that they can remember in our national life, in our national history. Now, some of the folks who responded to that survey are old enough to remember Vietnam. Some of the folks who responded to that survey are old enough to remember the Iranian hostage crisis and the oil embargo, old enough to remember 9-11, and we're all old enough to remember the Great Recession. And all that notwithstanding, we are saying that this is the lowest point that we can remember in our national life. And so gratitude... Thankfulness? Is that even relevant? Well, no, it's not. It's not relevant if gratitude is an emotional response to circumstances. But in our spiritual tradition, that is not what gratitude is. It is, as I mentioned a moment ago, it is a spiritual tool. It is a discipline to which we bring ourselves. The spiritual tradition, informed by generation after generation of human experience, steers us away from looking at gratitude as uh, an emotional response, as a feeling, because that experience of gratitude is too fleeting to contain the richness of this spiritual concept. Intentional gratitude, the training of the soul, is why we come back to this practice year after year after year. To remind us at this moment of our national holiday to return to the practice, the tool of the soul. Thankfulness is one of those ancient paths that you run into again and again as you read through our songbook right there in the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms. Gratitude recurs again and again and again in joining people to come back again and again to thankfulness. That's because the practice of gratitude makes our souls strong. The practice of gratitude prepares us to thrive and to flourish and to be agents of change in a world that is seemingly hell-bent on destroying goodness. Intentional gratitude is a transformative practice that makes us the kind of people that the world right now needs us to be. I love the way our reading paraphrased Psalm 100 this morning. Life is beautiful, and that beauty comes from somewhere. So be on your feet. Let us honor the source of goodness. Let us give ourselves in thanksgiving. Let us be thankful for our being, for loving and being loved, for beauty wherever we see it. On your feet, the text says, in other words, do the work that truth demands of us. The work of gratitude, the work of thankfulness. So we return to gratitude each year with intentionality because when we practice it, it pries open the dark places in our souls. And it digs that darkness out and it lets light and it lets goodness in. When the days are dark, when fear or anger or vengeance or punishment rule the day, 
Gratitude helps us access hope in the face of despair. It helps us access steadfastness when we want to give in. It helps us access courage when we want to shrink. Sight when we feel blind. Forgiveness when revenge would be easier. Stirring up gratitude is a tool bequeathed us by the ancient heritage, a gift to free our souls from change that would bind us, strengthen our souls to stand up against the steady drumbeat of fear and hatred and shame and despair and revenge and aggression and abuse and control. Gratitude is a tool. Gratitude is a practice. Gratitude is a discipline. So, we say that every year. (laughs) That's something that we talk about recurringly on this Sunday because it's that important. But for today, to make today's lesson practical, I thought we would just practice gratitude together. Very simply. So earlier in the week, I emailed the council and I emailed our newly minted board members and several folks who were working on our teams and I asked them to do the practice and I, to intentionally stir up gratitude close to home. And I asked them to do it by simply emailing some things that they are grateful here close to home here in our own community which is a good place for you to do the practice as well, close to your home with your uh, life and your people and your places. So today's lesson is going to be really simple. I'm going to read you some of the things that people sent me. Uh, We are going to be encouraged. I encourage you to allow gratitude to be stirred up in your heart as you listen to the things that were written. And then I will close with a quick application of the practice. And... uh, And we will be grateful for our teenagers. (laughs) So one of the first to reply when I sent that email out was someone who was thankful for the people who are loving our children so well. I read a parent who told a story of their child talking about the spiritual life in a way that they could not have imagined a year ago. That strain was quickly caught up by many others who chimed in saying they were grateful for all the people who are making our community healthy. Coffee to help wake us up on Sundays, somebody was very grateful for that. Hosts for groups and the meetups that they attend where our lives get shared together. I was grateful that one of the responders was grateful for the work that's been, that uh, the conflict resolution folks are doing. And this person said, I'm grateful for that because I really need them to teach me that. So please learn it quickly so you can teach me how to do conflict resolution. This was a good one. I am so grateful for how we emphasize authenticity in our relationships. In other words, I can talk about the things in my life that are not working. We can talk about what is going badly, and we do it, and we do it on purpose. They continued, in the last couple of years, I've watched my dark habits get dug up, be brought to the light, and I've seen them, just like we say, and in the seeing, I have been able to disidentify with them. And now, this person said, a year later... I am so much freer of the hold that they once had over me. Another hit on that same theme. I'm, uh, not, I've not been judged for my shadow side. Nobody is. She reiterated something, reiterated something that we say all the time. A shadow-free life was never an option. Consequently, we don't have to get all twisted up over having one. What we do is we just go to work together unearthing our shadow sides, accessing the divine that runs deeper still. That is worthy of thanks. As a matter of fact, it would probably be a good idea for us to say, Amen. Go ahead. Amen. Amen. Another spoke about being encouraged. 
This last year, he said, has been really discouraging. But when we get together, we remind one another of bigger truths. I get my eyes out of the dirt. I elevate my vision and I see a bigger reality. And I come away with hope. Another said, I am really grateful for the long-haul approach that we take. It takes the time that it takes, thorough and deep. We do that in a lot of ways, this person said, but I really appreciate it at a personal level because I needed it. We get to be where we are. Our journey is unfolding at a natural pace. Consequently, there isn't a lot of pressure to hurry. Not a a lot of pressure to hurry so that we fit in. Not a lot of pressure to hurry so that we can be where everybody else is. Not a lot of pressure to hurry so we can be where we should be. And they put the word should in quotes. And this person said, I've actually found myself moving forward better at a pace that my interior growth can happen and it has been more rapid than I thought it would be. But it's happened at a pace that I can actually attain and I'm thankful for that. Another said, I appreciate being part of a community trying to figure out how to be spiritual in a way that works without the toxic side effects that my religion had growing up. This person said, I didn't really want to abandon religion altogether because I had had spiritual experiences and they were deeply meaningful. But I was about to give it all up. I just couldn't go through the motions anymore and I couldn't tolerate the toxic parts of religion anymore. So I'm grateful to be part of a community figuring this out together, digging out the healthy parts of our ancient religious practice and feeling the permission to leave behind those parts that have gotten twisted. I'm really grateful for that too. Someone said something similar. I'm really grateful that we're comfortable with unanswered questions, that we are comfortable with not knowing Instead of rushing in with some kind of an ill-informed answer just so we can stop the discomfort of not knowing, we are able to live in the tension. That gives us time, time to discern things that we might have missed otherwise. Yeah. Another said, <clears throat> I'm really grateful to have found a spiritual path that works. Then this person said some parts about working the circle that were particularly meaningful to them and then said, this spiritual journey is actually taking me somewhere. Spiritual practices are still hard for me to stick to, they said, but when I do stick to them, they change me. They awaken me. They take me somewhere. Even with the little bit of steadiness that I bring, they said, my life is changing. My soul is healing. I wouldn't use the words you, Doug, always use, awakening to the interior divine. But yeah, it is that. (laughs) I'm grateful that our community is coming to see that the ancient wisdom does have something to say about daily life. I love that we're trying to keep the baby even while while we feel the freedom to throw out the bathwash. One spoke about the theme of oneness. When you first started talking about oneness, Doug, it just sounded weird, some kind of New Age mumbo-jumbo. But I'm really glad that we've hung in there with it because it's really practical. In my growing up church days, I thought that to be Christian meant that I had to think in terms of us versus them. But now I realize how horribly I was mistaken and how unlike Jesus I was and how very unchristian I was. And they said, I am over the top grateful for that one. 
Several people wrote about being grateful for deep and abiding love that they've developed for this person or that person in the community. That was a recurring theme. And others said, I am really grateful for the way we responded after the election. The hate and the division was horrible in our nation. It still is. Uh, It was horrible here in our own community. And I felt like we lost our safe and our loving community. But then I watched us go quietly to work. You, Doug, you did that lesson right after the election asking us to stay and figure out how to be both authentic and honest and to learn how to do what Jesus taught us to love one another. And then I watched us learn how to do that over this year, how to love and respect and be different and see differently. I really didn't think that we'd be able to do it. And don't get me wrong, we have not mastered it yet, but I am so grateful that we didn't just say empty words, but we worked hard to figure out how to do oneness that is not sameness. And, they continued, I was part of the group that was working on that. And again, I really didn't think we could do it, but now we have something to give the rest of the community, beyond our community, and I'm grateful. Another went back further in our history and said, I was here years ago when we were trying to figure out how to both honor the heritage of the Bible and be loving and inclusive to gay people. And boy, that was challenging. We had to grapple with all these views of the Bible that we had inherited so deeply in our religious lives and had to figure out what our views of what the Bible actually says meant. And this person said, I hated that a couple of my friends ended up leaving the church, but I am really grateful that I have an expanded view of the Bible and I don't have to work cross-grain to my religion now just to be loving toward gay people. This last deep dive, they said, into our nation's struggle with race, yeah, that's been a tough one too. It still is. But I think processing the first one prepared us for this. When we're in the middle of these things, man, it's tough. But I am so glad that we go head on after these issues and we don't avoid them. I'm grateful for that too, by the way. Another, I'm really grateful for our approach to the service quadrant. We didn't just jump in with a knee-jerk response to crisis. We didn't just do what we knew how to do already from some other church that we had been part of. No, we got quiet, and then we met together, and we discerned together, and we hit on a way to serve the world that fits us perfectly. This person said, I had never even heard of restorative justice. But because we took a discerning, waiting and watching approach when it showed up, we just knew This was the divine lead for us. I love that, this person said. And last, this person said, I am so grateful that I no longer have to feel adversarial toward science. (laughs) I grew up in church, but I never felt that what I was learning in my science class was supported by what I was learning in my church. Now I do, and that is a gift. Well, that is what the practice of stirring up gratitude looks like. It's pretty straightforward. By the way, those of you who responded, thank you very much. You may have noticed I did a little editing. (laughs) I hope reading through these responses does for you what it did for me when I was reading them. Here's what happened to me. Oh, yeah, that does happen. Oh, yeah, something very similar happened to me too. Oh, yeah, I also... I'm very grateful for that. That really has been enriching. Yes, that thing really does happen. Oh, yeah. 
That is kind of what doing the intentional practice of gratitude does. Oh yeah, that's right. We live in a world and we process it through brains that see danger. We've got threat detectors that are wired into us. It's how we survived. Consequently, we tend to filter out that which is good in favor of that. There's a big animal flying around in our church. (laughs) What is that? That's a wasp? That is big. That is not a fly. So these brains of ours tend to filter out the good in order to be able to respond to the danger. Well, one of the side effects of these brains that do that for us, thank God that our brains do that because now we're, we're alive and we didn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. That was good. But what does happen also is that we tend to need to bring intentionality to the seeing of that which is good. So because our brains do this dangers-avoiding thing, thank God that they do, we tend to have to work intentionally to do the gratitude thing. What our text said this morning is that beauty is always here. Goodness is always here. Love is always here. But with these narrowed blinders, we have to actually work to go see it. So that is the practice of intentional uh, gratitude. So I encourage you to the practice. I encourage you to do something similar to what we just did to in your own life, with your own people, in your own places, in your own context, to go through the exercise because the shift that happens to us that allows us to see a broader perspective of reality that includes the truth and the beauty and the goodness, that is born out of something as simple as the discipline of doing these practices. Intentional gratitude, that is our heritage. Finally, I want to talk about a practical application of gratitude that we don't usually talk about, or at least that we don't talk about very often. It's the link between gratitude and giving, and there is an ancient link between the two. The reason we don't talk about giving very much and the reason we don't talk about money very much isn't because it's not a spiritual topic. It's a very spiritual topic. The reason we don't talk about it very much is that this is one of the areas where the church has so badly lost its way. People have been wounded around money and church. People have been swindled. People have been taken advantage of, guilted and shamed and manipulated around money and church. So when that happens, any minister who's paying attention knows not to poke on an open wound not to do further harm, even if bringing an unharmful approach would poke an existing wound. So we're very careful about how and about how often we talk about the spiritual side of money. But here's the thing. Dollars are how we articulate what is important to us. If you want to know what's important to someone, look at their checkbook register. When Denise and I were dating, (laughs) we were on our like third or fourth date, and I could tell. This is a woman of substance. I might want to spend my life with this woman. And so I said, so, here's my checkbook. I passed it across the table. I'd like to see yours. (laughs) And the thing is, this is when I knew I wanted to marry her. She gave me her checkbook. (laughs) And so we looked through it, and I said, so you spend a lot of money on makeup, girl. (laughs) There's a lot of... So, um, if you want to know what's important to someone... 
you look, you do a category report in their Quicken file. <laughs> you see the pie chart. What are they spending their money on? One of the spiritual challenges of money is to bring enough mindfulness to our spending so that our spending says what is important and what our spending says is what is important. Again, it's a deeply spiritual practice to make sure that our spending reflects what we value. And from the very beginning of spiritual communities, if we go all the way back into our Jewish heritage 5,000 years ago, there has been a theme that creates a link between the things that we are grateful for that happened best in the context of a healthy spiritual community and the things that we value and articulating those values with our monies. Gratitude and giving form kind of a feedback loop. We discern what we value by stirring up gratitude for the things that matter in our lives, and then we support those things with our monies, which deepens our ownership of that thing when we do it, which then deepens our experience of the thing when we have deepened the ownership of the thing, which then in terms deepened, that deepened experience deepens our gratitude, and then the cycle is off and running and reinforcing. It's always been that way. There has always been a link between gratitude for and placing value on the things that spiritual community does in our lives. So you've heard Scott's finance reports for the last couple of months. We haven't been meeting budget, which put money back on the radar of the church council. Normally, it's not on our radar because we're not thinking about how to raise money. We're thinking about health for the community. But because that's been an issue, it's back on into our council discussions. And so one of our council members spoke to me about their history with uh, church and money. This person came through the door of NRCC, arms crossed, just looking for an excuse to bolt out the door. That happens. Happens quite a bit. <laughs> And naturally, one of their strongest resistances was around money because church had done them wrong. And church is a greedy, money-grubbing institution. Everybody knows that. And this person was having none of it. Now, fast forward several years later, now this person has experienced what healthy spiritual community does in our lives. As a matter of fact, some of the things that I just read to you a moment ago came from this person. Now they can articulate gratitude in a way that brings value to bear. So now this member of the council is actually encouraging me to talk about money more frequently, which you can be thankful. I'm not doing it any more than I'm doing it. <clears throat> but this person says, Doug, what is happening here is so important in our lives. And so many times we do our spending mindlessly. Uh, we spend on things that are less important than what's happening here. So just think about how we don't think about money we spend on fast food or money that we spend on coffee. We don't think about it. It doesn't come into our minds. We spend money on activities for our kids, which are really good, but those things are not as life-changing, she said, as what is happening here. Uh, we spend money on books. We spend money on movies. We spend money on stuff that don't do nearly for us what spiritual community does for us. Well, what this council member was experiencing is this ancient spiritual link between gratitude and giving. The two go together. When we see how important what happens in spiritual community is, we see the value that it has in our lives. And then the ancient wisdom tells us what human beings do is we articulate our value with our monies, which 
if community is healthy, then can take those monies and then even enhance the health of the community further. So I really hope you don't hear this part of the lesson as addressing our budget shortfall. That's why the topic's on the radar these days. We don't normally think this much about money, but this is a lesson about the spiritual nature of community, which, when we pay attention, evokes deep gratitude and value, and it's a lesson about articulating that value with giving, which makes it a lesson about assessing our monthly spending as a spiritual endeavor. In other words, to ask ourselves, are we bringing enough mindfulness to our spending to be able to have our spending articulate our value? Not just the value of spiritual community, but our values in general. Which makes it a lesson inviting us to look carefully at our budgets and see, are we budgeting for the future that we value in our lives? Are we budgeting for the people that we value in our lives? Are we budgeting for the experiences that we value in our lives? And are we budgeting for the spiritual community that we value in our lives? Now, if you do, if you bring that endeavor to looking at your spending and look at your spending through the lens of your values, there's a tip that is afforded us by the ancient wisdom, and that is to approach our values in percentages. The the wisdom says, don't think in terms of dollar amounts, think in terms of percentages. Articulate value that way. In other words, I spend this percentage of my income on X because I value X this much. I spend this much of my income on Y because I value Y this much. And the conventional wisdom is to start off giving 10% to your own future, to save 10% off the top. The conventional wisdom goes on to say, and give 10% to the rest of the earth, to bettering the well-being of the earth, to serving the weakened and the vulnerable, as we saw in our last lesson, including your spiritual community. That's an approach when you start breaking your values down into percentages that takes planning. It means making a plan. It means sticking to a plan. It is a spiritual discipline that this percentage of my income goes to this thing that I value. This percentage goes to that thing that I value. And the wisdom of our tradition is that when the spiritual community is healthy, it shows up in our gratitude. When spiritual community is healthy, it shows up in our values. When spiritual community is healthy, it shows up in our monthly articulation of value. Now, that is the spirituality of giving and money. That is the link between the spiritual practice of gratitude and the spiritual practice of giving. It's Scott's job to talk about the church budget. So that's not really my perspective today, but because Scott would really get upset with me if I didn't say this, (laughs) you can go to our website, and there you can find four ways to plan your gratitude and plan your giving, plan your articulation of value. It's under the donate button. So, what I want you to hear today is this. Intentional gratitude brings about flourishing in our souls. Spiritual community makes it on the list of those things that are most meaningful in our humanity and in our human experience. We articulate our gratitude for those things in a way that does include our giving. There is a link between gratitude and giving These are important spiritual themes to integrate into our lives. 
And so, Spirit of God, may our souls be rooted in values, may our hearts be rooted in gratitude, and may we be open-hearted, open-handed, and giving people. Amen.